Thank you, and good morning. I am so pumped for this series. Um, it's it's my favorite series of the year, and uh, I'll try and explain why um, we, we do this again and again, but my uh, kids, when they were a little bit smaller, because we rent a, a townhouse, we have an upstairs and a downstairs, what they would do is when mom wasn't there, they would go upstairs go out onto the balcony and then climb onto the roof and then say, Dad, Dad, and I'd come out and they'd jump and I'd catch them. It was amazing. Some of you going, <gasps> my parents especially. <gasps> but anyway, so they, they would jump and, and I would catch them and, and then Geordie would jump. It would take him a little bit longer than Grace. Grace would just, ah, he'll catch me. Geordie, mm, I'm not sure, Dad, 50-50. But here's why it was so beautiful. They were taking a faith step to trust the Father. And when you think about a faith step, it's, it's, it does something in the father's heart and it does something in the child's heart. And we as a church want to grow in faith. In fact, people often misunderstand what a community, a church is all about. A church is about a community of people maturing in their faith. Scripture says there's only there's only one place in Scripture that, that kind of defines what we should measure ourselves by. And it says, don't, be, don't think of you, yourself more highly than you ought, but measure yourself by the faith that has been deposited into you. So here's the, the journey. As you mature, as we mature as a community, as a congregation, we mature in faith, in the kind of naming and claiming in the moment absolute breakthrough, and in the process of faith that some of you have lived. And some of you have lived through 10, 20 years of waiting for God to come through, and He's come through. Others of you, you're still waiting for God to come through. And then new Christians who've, who've kind of come to faith last week, and every day this week, God's been going, peekaboo, here I am, you tithe, boom, it comes through. Like everything is coming through, and you need both. What often happens, you've been in faith for, for so long that you stop expecting and the new Christian comes in and you go, man, why don't I expect that from God? And so a community, what it does is the older Christians often help the younger Christians persevere in faith. And the younger Christians help the, the older Christians expect more from God. And in that journey, as we preach, we grow together. So, but God is a big deal. Because every, every year we want to grow our community in faith. And we want you to expect a but God moment in your life. Where this series comes from is there are, there are literally 60 scriptures that have these two words, if you do a Bible search, but God. I'm going to read a couple of them. You know, it starts in Genesis 8.1. It says that God determines in his heart to destroy the world because it's evil. And then it says, but God remembered Noah. If you, if you skip through 1 Samuel, uh, King Saul's jealous and trying to kill David. And it says, day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. In Psalm 73, David actually speaking about this, he says, my flesh and my heart may fail. If you've been a Christian, you've had that. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Jesus gets into this conversation with a rich young ruler who comes to him and says, how do I get saved? And they have a long conversation. Eventually, Jesus says, listen, if you really want all of heaven, you need to give up everything and follow me. He names his idol. And the disciples go, how on earth is that possible? How can anyone be saved? And Jesus says these words. He looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
This last one, 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. I want you to have but God moments. In fact, I want you to expect but God moments. I was, I was reading through a number of those 60 scriptures this morning, and um, I want to end with this last one before we have Sunday sessions. That's going to be incredible. I was, I was reading from Joseph, and it says, you intended to harm me. He's speaking to his brothers who've now come in to, to get food from him. He's been in jail for 13 years. And, and he says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Here's what I want you to know. Your but God is not just a change in your circumstance. Your but God actually kicks in when you recognize him in the dryness of the before the circumstance. That's when you get utterly free. So I'm praying. I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm praying that life comes in and there's just, you hit tomorrow and you go, but God will come through. So can we close our eyes? I'm going to pray and then we're going to interview Sundesh. Heavenly Father, open the eyes of our hearts so that something can get deposited in. Where our eyes have been blinded, I ask that you open them and your light comes in. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to call up Sandesh. He's going to come up. Why don't you give him a hand as he comes? Um, just so you know, Sandesh runs a restaurant just up the road here, Roti and Chai. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of pictures of Roti and Chai. Uh, there's his family. Um, so they tend to a chicken. Just next, next photo. What I realized about Roti and Chai is you need to drive a Lamborghini to be able to eat over there. Um, not true, not true. But uh, whilst I've been chatting to Sandesh, my spirit has literally been leaping inside of me. When you hear this story, it is going to blow you away. Sandesh, thank you so much for giving up your time. It is so cool to have you here. Oh, it's a pleasure and blessing to be here today. Thank you very much. When he first came to this church, he, he said God put in his heart that he would be giving his testimony soon. So that's, that's what's going on here. Amen. It's really cool. Sandesh, you, you kind of got saved about four times, three times. Uh, just talk us through the journey of you coming to Christ because it's been a process. Well, it's been quite a journey, and I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed to share this with you. My journey started at uh, the age of eight years old. I was gifted a book called uh, The Children's Book of Bible Stories. And for me, why it appealed to me, I come from a Hindu background. And uh, at the time, uh, the appeal was that I found a hero in there, uh, a hero that outlasted every other hero that died and came back to life. And that, to me, simply was just so appealing. And, uh, you know, it led me to eventually, four, 40 years later, to where I am today. So the seed was planted when I was eight years old. I'm very grateful for those books. Uh, growing up, reading uh, from Genesis to the resurrection to even a bit of uh, revelation in a very beautiful way. And as a young boy, uh, you know, that just left a lasting impression on me. So then from there to when, when was it you, when you kind of had a, the second experience? Because it was a long time. That was a long time. I uh, grew, grew, grew up in a traditional uh, Hindu home. Uh, and so, you know, uh, it was 2001 of March 2001. I was busy creating a product at the time. I come from the deco, interior deco industry. So I was creating a window blind and decided that it was too boring and I needed to put a picture onto it. So, uh, yeah, that's what you see. 
So that took me three years to develop, but it was an utter failure. Uh, I spent uh, thousands of rands, uh, three shows at the House and Garden show, and not, not a single sale. So, you know, I was just about to give up. And then I had uh, sort of a but God moment and credit to Lord Jesus. You know, um, I need to sort this out ASAP. I'm getting married in nine months, and I don't have too much of money, so I need a breakthrough. Uh, that same night, I had an amazing vision of a solution to my problem. I had a beautiful vision of Christ holding a vertical blind with a picture for sunset on it. And the next day, what I couldn't do in three years uh, was done overnight. And for 18 years, we've been selling printed vertical blinds uh, throughout South Africa. Uh, it's still selling up to today. So that was my first encounter. And were you were going to church all the time? and Closet Christians don't go to church. <laughs> <laughs> and because God blessed you with, with a blind company that was working and a vision and everything, then you started going to church, huh? No. <laughs> so I was married, you know, I was married in the Hindu way, and uh, I was worshipping, uh, and I have a worn-out Bible that's 20 years old, but it was always in, in the cupboard. I never saw sunlight. And, uh, you know, my wife at the time... I came to a crossroads, and she, she found out, listen, what are you doing? So she told me, you have a choice. Uh, we have two young children. You can do what you want to do, and we need to dissolve this union, or you can stay married and bring up the family. So I chose the latter and decided to stay and, uh, you know, be a father, a husband, and run my business like, um, you know, any, any sane person would do, not give up everything and follow God. So, yeah, that's exactly what I did for 13 years. Then you had the, the real encounter. And speak to us about that. The real encounter was pretty strange because it was, uh, you know, a sense of humor because God drew me in with something I'm very fond of. And uh, I'm an avid collector of cowboy boots. <laughs> he, he speaks, when I was interviewing him or having the conversation with him, he spent as much time talking about cowboy boots as Jesus. He's, this guy is passionate. <laughs> so I was in South Carolina, the Bible Belt in 2013 in the United States. I was attending a church service uh, on Christmas Eve. And the night before, I was praying, God, please, I can't go back to South Africa without a pair of boots. So it was 100 US dollars short. Uh, didn't want to ask my wife or family out there. And... Uh, at church, after the service, had a big burly American dude comes up and says, listen, I got this strange message last night to come see you and give you this. He says, put it in your pocket and uh, open it when you when you back home. And uh, when I got home, it was 100 US dollars. <laughs> so why it's special for me and a significant, uh, you know, even God provided me a solution to a business. But, uh, you know, why a pair of boots? Because it was something that was personal. It was something that God knew I loved and, and, and collected. And if that was a way for him to reach out to me, that's exactly what he did. And that changed everything. Uh, it changed the way I felt. It, it changed my heart. And uh, the journey started when I came back home uh, in the new year in 2014. So just let me get this right. You, you would basically throw up a prayer every 10 years and every time God would do something. <laughs> I wouldn't want you all to do that, but yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely incredible. Okay, so so you you have these cowboy boots. God speaks to you. You actually experienced the love of God in that moment. It wasn't just a, a pair of boots. It was God's power. If every one of you sitting here has something 
that only you know that you love or like or have a preference or maybe uh, a taste for whether it's food, whether it's clothing, whether it's jewelry. And uh, if somebody other than a person gives it to you and if Christ gives it to you, uh, that's really special. So for me, that was the, the, the seal of my fate and, and the start of my journey into following uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I want to just hop in there for a moment because I want you to understand that when God does something very practical for you like that, what it often does is it, it opens your mind up to faith. If you can do that for me, then you must know my name, you must know everything about me. And that stirs faith, and from that place of faith, the Holy Spirit begins to move. And that's, that was what was going on, because you came back and you had to change. Speak about that. Yes, the transformation uh, started uh, when I was in the United States. My two girls sitting here at the front experienced, uh, uh, they got a touch of, of what I would call grace or the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they were not the same either. So we got back home, and it was a struggle for me to, to carry on, uh, you know, living the life I lived. Uh, it was a struggle for me to pray, and it was just coming to full circle where I needed to confess this. And when I did, uh, it was a time when my mom was uh, going through renal failure, and uh, at the same time, my wife uh, said to me, listen, we need to go, we need to have a divorce because you can't, can't do follow Christ and stay with me. So again, I was at a crossroads, and um, I think a, a day or two, when my mom who just passed away, I had a vision, uh, a beautiful vision, uh, high definition, higher than 4K, even 100K, not even invented yet. It's, it's it was called clear. heavenly definition, HD, yeah. <laughs> And that was uh, my, you know, it was a sort of a third calling for me. And, uh, you know, I had a choice. Uh, I was told, you, 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 you make up your mind and do what you want to do. I'm out of here. So I struggled with that for six weeks. My mom passed away uh, uh, in July, in the uh, end of July. And three weeks later, my wife kicked me out of the house because, uh, you know, I, didn't give, I couldn't give her a decision. I was, I was just living a lie and, and it, it wasn't good for her. So I, I lost my business as well at the time, my blinds business. I walked away from it. And during the next six weeks, uh, I had this amazing encounter uh, with the Spirit of God uh, discerning upon me with my decision. And the message I got was very clear. It was, pick up your cross and follow me, and I will bless through your hands for the rest of the days of your life. That was it. And um, I had nothing else to grasp on. And, you know, going through a life-changing, life-altering, shocking moment, that was all I had. And I cleaved onto that. And uh, that was where I felt my salvation light. And that, even though the faith was low, but I cleaved onto that. So you literally surrendered there. And you said, okay, God, you're all I got. What happened next? Yes, I, I think surrender, but I think a little bit more than that would have been, uh, I felt abandoned, I, so, so I, I, it was more an abandonment unto God, unto Christ as an orphan, and that's how I went to him, you know, uh, totally raw, totally with nothing, and uh, just cleaving onto what his promises were. And uh, as a result, um, you know, I went through even further hardships. I, I, um, I was homeless, kicked out of the house, uh, I was with no work, I managed to get a, a very low paying job uh, as a medical aid rep in Musgrave Center. So, you know, that could barely put food on the table, have two kids going through to school and a host of other uh, commitments. But uh, the God moment uh, for me during that time was just something that was transforming my heart, my mind, and as much as my heart was being repaired, uh, I felt my soul being resurrected. 
Now speak to us, you go from that, God gives you that sense of peace, but you still got no money. And so you had to do something else. So what was the next step? So I didn't pray for food or I didn't pray for money, strangely enough. Uh, I got down on my knees praying in moans and groans because there were no words that could, you know, I couldn't find the words to ask for anything because I'd lost so much. And I think as a person, um, I had to give up on myself as well and just cleave on to just that little bit of faith. And uh, with regards to money, uh, it was tough, uh, you know, staying in a, in a vehicle and staying in an office and having two children, and it was pretty tough. But I think what got me through it uh, was, was an outpouring, overpouring of grace. And I think I felt the stillness of his peace and love, and uh, I was experiencing joy in poverty. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Joy in poverty. And, and I could never understand that because I was sitting there having uh, french fries on a Saturday night when I'm used to eating good Indian food on a Saturday night. And I'm full of joy eating this little bowl of french fries. <laughs> so, Nish, you then went, you need to supplement your income. And so, with groaning, you prayed. Then what happened? I um, got to work in my grandmother's kitchen. I had a, uh, a taste in me, or, or, or if a musician had a song in him that he wanted to get out and let the world hear it, I had a taste in me that was, you know, I wanted to get out there. And I think uh, hunger drove me to creating the brand that we run now at two locations on Florida Road and Sun Coast called Roti and Chai. Uh, just, just hang on. Hear those words. Hunger drove me to my God moment. Some of you are hungry. Keep going. So the keys for me to have gotten uh, from where I was to where I am now was only through grace, because that's what I begged for, literally. And uh, creating roti and chai on a four-plate stove in my granny's kitchen, reminiscing on the age-old recipes I grew up as a kid. Uh, you know, I was three years old when I tasted those, those types of food. There was no way that I was have any chef qualifications or food background to be able to, to recreate it. And your mom and your grand had passed away, so there was no one giving you the recipe. Absolutely. I did get some advice on, on, on ratios with regard to masala and salt, just basic stuff. But everything came from a point uh, that I can't put through to you on you know, words or describe to you how I created it, but I got in the kitchen, whatever I touched, whatever I mixed was a hit. It's, uh, uh, we built a brand, we built a brand, we're still building a brand on that, uh, our tandoori chicken recipe that my girls and I created in my grand's kitchen in, in, in 2015. So you create this food, basically out of a song in your heart, really. Yes. Taste in your heart. And then what did you do to make some money? Uh, it was, um, we were at the Musgrave Night Markets. Uh, that's where I worked on the second floor. There was a market there once a month, so we, my daughter... My eldest daughter, Sayali, says, Dad, let's go take this out there and, and, and sell it. Let's see what happens. So we went out there and we sold our first couple hundred of wraps. And as a result, we you know, replaced our, what I was earning in four hours. And that sort of gave us uh, an idea, look, this is something that we could uh, you know, expand on. And that's how it started. And people, I mean, people queued, queued there for a couple of hours to get your... Your food. Yeah, we did a count of that line. It's 120, 122 people standing there for two hours uh, in the line at Musgrave Night Market to get our food, yeah. (laughs) 
this, this story gets better. Uh, so you, you go then from market to market, and, and you guys lived lean, eh? Yes, we saved 80% of our income. We lived in a one-bedroom outhouse behind somebody's house in Glenwood. We, uh, yeah, we, we really cut it fine. We say, you know, we, we financed our first store with 80% from sales of, of the market. No banks would look at us or finance us. So the, the start to that was you were driving up this road and you saw a sign. Speak to us about that. We were about to sign a lease uh, for three years and that was a scary moment because signing a lease is like, uh, you know, getting into marriage again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you don't want to go there. <laughs> Marriage we we love marriage at this church, just saying. <laughs> marriage is a beautiful institution. I believe in it. But it's also what led me to my salvation at, you know, at a point. I will be married again sometime. I, I'm, I'm praying over that. <laughs> okay, so I drove past the church, and uh, I saw a sign that says, pay it forward. I think you still have it out there. And um, I think that led me to the moment you just do it. It was a just do it moment for me. And I signed the lease. And uh, it was a, a Sunday at I was one of the markets called the Morning Trade. A, a fellow worshipper here by the name of Keith, uh, Keith Pillay. He invited me over to Olive. He says, come. And I came the same day, same Sunday at 5 o'clock with my two girls. Sat right at the back. And uh, God put something in my heart and says, grow where you planted and plant here. So... We started planting here because there was a building that needed to be done, and all this that you see here needed to, you know, the church definitely didn't look like this when we came. And uh, we started sowing here, the building fund, and God says, build my temple first, and I'll sort you out later. <laughs> and uh, as a result, uh, you know, eight months later, we, we started Roti and Chai in Florida Road, 223, Pan Pizza Hut. We have no front signage, no street signage. We're not visible from the street yet. we one of the busiest res uh, restaurants on, on Florida Road. So, so tell them the line, if, if you want to queue for hours. Well, if you're coming there on a weekend, uh, you're not going to get parking. You're not going to get in there. And if you do get parking, you're still going to stand an hour and wait for your food. <laughs> and people queue for hours. I've been there. It's just incredible. God has blessed it. Now, <laughs> some of you are crying. Uh, speak to us. You, you said in three or four weeks, you paid off that store. Just tell us about that. That was incredible. Uh, we took two years, two and a half years to save money to finance a store without a bank and uh, literally started on the 7th of April 2018 and on the 31st of April the, the same year, 2018, we had recovered our return on investment. Everyone wants that problem. Okay. <laughs> Sandesh, what I love, so from there, I mean, you got signed into Suncoast, you're looking to put into Mschlange, and then you're looking to roll out five stores. But what I love about your story is that from the recipes to the brand to the store, every single aspect of that seemed to be spirit-led. Speak to us a little bit about that. Yes, that's correct. Uh, when, uh, when I was living, uh, you know, 
from the, in an office and in a vehicle, creating roti and cha on my laptop. Uh, everything was led through spirits and my decisions, my placement, positions at the markets. Every single thing uh, was prayed uh, before actioned. So I put God first. God was a partner in my business, still is, and the biggest shareholder. So, <laughs> you know, uh, the profits go to him. <laughs> uh, I think at the time, uh, you know, the branding and 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 what you see now uh, was all done in in you know, not in words. It was done in groans and moans, and uh, as a result, I think God heard heard me without speaking, and and I and I feel He knew my thoughts. So I didn't ask for anything. He just you know knew, and as a result, uh, is is what we have today. Isn't that incredible? The scripture says that the Holy Spirit prays through us with groaning and moaning, and that's, that's what he's speaking about. What I'd like to quickly, before I forget this point, was um, he, I got a message that said, you know, the last shall be first. In my case, uh, we had no experience or we were no foodie background, as, you, as I've shared with you, and then we've got all these big brands and all these big... Uh, uh, Togo Sun and uh, Gateway and, and malls all over the country wanting our brand in their stores. We've rejected Gateway, we've rejected uh, malls that are down the south coast, down the north coast. And uh, today we're sitting next to the biggest street uh, brands in, in, in South Africa, all the popular brands that you, you guys know and go and eat. We are sitting right next to them. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I I think what I've I've loved most in this whole story is how you've you've repeatedly said to me, "This is all for the glory of Jesus." <clears throat> That's um, where my inspiration comes from, because um, as a businessman, I feel that whatever I have achieved is um, is yeah. There was a lot of hard work, but uh, I know that this won't last. Uh, I would love the brand to outlive me, like any food brand out there. But uh, I've obviously uh, held on to the love of Christ. Uh, and that's, for me, the defining moment. Because I've had things before and I lost. And I know that this is just a part of my journey. And for me, the, the relationship with Jesus Christ was a defining moment. You got one last shot before we wrap up. Just speak about, say anything you want, but I'd love you to speak into surrender. Uh, to all of you tonight, uh, this, this morning, surrender comes at a price. Uh, Worshipping Jesus as a new, I'm a believer for three years. And what I'd like to share with you all is surrender, not half-hearted, surrender wholehearted. But more than surrender is an abandonment. You have got to, if you think you know yourself, if you really think you know yourself, let yourself go. If you think you own anything, or if you think that you have people in your life who are yours, when you put God first, when you give him the whole heart, He rushes to you with both arms open. What you get to taste is heaven while you're here on earth. Why don't you give Sandish a hand? Thank you so much. Can I he, be a with you? Yeah, yeah. He, 
I, I promised him that he would, I would let him do this. He said he needs a selfie with you. <laughs> you know how uncomfortable I am right now, but we're going to do this thing for Sandesh. Yeah, I almost died. Okay. As we wrap up, I mean, that, that story, you know, sitting next to him, I feel my spirit jumping up and down. But I want to I give you an opportunity, maybe if you actually just need to let it go and go, Jesus, I surrender. Because surrender is part of the peace that no one understands. And so if you, if you want to surrender your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And if you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, it is an act of surrender. So I'll lead those who haven't given their lives to Christ, to Christ first and then lead the rest of us. So can I ask that you bow your heads? And uh, if you want to ask Jesus into your life right now, and maybe you've never done this before, maybe you've done it once. He did it a few times. Why don't you just lift up your hands and I'd love to pray for you. Is there anyone who wants to... See your hand, see your hand. See anyone else? See your hand, see your hand. See your hand. See your hand. For those six, seven, eight people, let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to give you my life in abandonment. I, I want to come to you as a child. And Father, I want you to father me into all that you want me to be. Take my sin, take my strengths, take my talent, and take me to a new place in you. I want a taste of heaven. Thank you that I am saved. Now for those of you who, who maybe something of Sandesh's story hit your heart and you just go, God, I've been holding with both hands onto my life and I want to surrender. If that's you, why don't you lift your hand, be brave and just say, today's the day. So many hands. So Father, we come to you and we say, Lord, today I choose to surrender my life to you. I give up holding onto everything. I give it back to you. Please speak to me and lead me by your spirit so that I can live the life you made me for. Make my life useful to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you just fill people's lives with your love. I pray that they will experience this due to their surrender. And I thank you, God, for your grace. Amen.